Hello, I'm Aletta Margolis, founder and president of Center for Inspired Teaching. This Thursday, January 26th, Center for Inspired Teaching will host a special online Speak Truth event. Speak Truth is a student-led series of respectful conversations themed around both current events and larger social issues. Student facilitators work with teachers to prepare, and then each Speak Truth session is run for and by students. Adults are welcome to attend, to observe, listen, and learn. Thursday evening's event is titled Talking Across Dividing Lines. It will be an opportunity to understand how and why to engage with people whose experiences, perspectives, and opinions differ from our own. It will feature a wonderful guest speaker, Helenius J. Wilkins. Helenius is a performance artist, choreographer, dancer, and change maker whose own work is dedicated to bridging the differences that separate us. You can find more details on Helenius in the show notes. Inspired Teaching's Director of Teaching and Learning, Jenna Fornell, interviewed Helenius for more insight into his story, his art, and his passion for curiosity. We hope you find his thoughts as joyful to listen to as we did. Start us out with just telling us a little bit about the work that you're engaged in right now. Sure. Currently, I am working on what I consider to be my most ambitious work to date. And it's a work that bears a long title. And that title is The Conversation Series, Stitching the Geopolitical Quilt to Rebody Belonging. And it's a long title um, because I'm very intentional about everything that I do. And I feel that the work of social change, social justice is not easy. It's not slick. It doesn't roll off the tongue. It requires being patient with oneself and being patient with others. It also requires a reorientation to time. And so there is a conscious effort that every time I say the title, that I say the full title um, to reorient to time and to slow myself down uh, to really take in the moment and be present. The conversation series, Stitching the Geopolitical Quilt to Rebody Belonging, is an ongoing and always shifting dance quilt that celebrates and confronts heritage, resiliency, hope, and justice. Uh, there will be multiple outcomes that will come out of the work, and I see all of these outcomes as sparks. Um, so there will be new choreographies, a feature-length documentary film, a digital archives and the ways in which I'm working in and with communities across the country, uh, we will develop a diversity, equity, inclusion, and social justice toy kit that will be available to all individuals who, acts, who have access to the internet um, free of charge. Can you talk a little bit about what, um, what started this project for you? I've read about your walks and sort of what was going on in the world. So just a little context there. Yeah, so um, it's it's always fascinating to talk about the the inspiration or the spark behind the conversation series stitching the geopolitical quilt to rebody belonging, because on one side of me uh, there are multiple entry points to the work, um, and then on the other side uh, there are these very specific moments that took place that created sort of a shape shift, if you will. And those very specific things um, were 
the onset of the COVID-19 um, pandemic and also the structural racism uprising, which I also consider to be a pandemic. So I often speak about the two of them together as the pandemics. And um, in that time, uh, we went into a space that was very unfamiliar and unknown to us where we had to go into isolation as a country, as a world. Um, and then uh, specific to the racial uprisings being in the body that I exist in, uh, one that is a black male, um, I felt tremendous fear and I was afraid to be in public um, and safety, which is something that I, I don't hold as something as being real, um, was also not felt in my own home space. And my general way of being and existing and moving through the world is to meet adversity with actioning through the arts. And so I began to walk, um, to be in solidarity with all of the individuals who were participating in protests um, and protests that I wanted to be a part of, but was terrified uh, to be around large groups of people. Um, and to start to move the needle, if you will, away from fear to unlearning fear. And so um, the walking became a, an actioning for reclaiming my sense of belonging or learning how to belong again. And uh, these walks uh, happen daily. And I was walking for up to 16 miles a day, same time, same pathway um, each day. And the work or that the, the spark was bigger than the walk itself because in, in fact, what I was doing, I was reorienting myself to time and I was reorienting myself to space. And I was also creating an opportunity for others around me to reorient themselves to me. That's so, um, yeah, I, I thank you for sharing that because I'd read yeah. it's in different places, but I hadn't been able to hear it in its entirety. And, um, and I think that that's, um, yeah, it's beautiful. I have all, this is just a personal wondering. Yeah. So there's the walking, there's the dancing, there's all this movement, but then there's also this beautiful connection to, um, to, to textiles, to sewing, to yeah. Yeah. how, how, what is the connection between that? Yeah, great question. I think that comes from many places. I often feel that the work that I'm doing right now is really the work I've been doing all of my journey, right? So I'm making the same piece, <laughs> repeatedly finding different ways, and I'm caring about the same things, and I'm not caring any less. You know, they're coming in different vessels, but I'm not caring any less about any of the things. And so to stitching, um, which is also a very visual thing, um, I'm a native of Louisiana, I'm a native of the South, and a lot of my works in the past involve quilts, um, are talking about how stories and histories are passed down. And one of the ways in which they are passed down are through quilts. Um, and then looking at quilts as a, a metaphor for holding stories as being a source for warmth or comfort, but also holding hardship. And when I, when I started to think about all those things, I was like, well, that's the human experience. And um, what I'm wanting to do is really stitch ourselves back together again in a way that feels very different from, from wanting to create a melting pot, 
which is a common theme that we use all the time. And I feel like when I think about melting pot, I think about assimilation. And with stitching, I think about differences coexisting. So definitely my work, my interest is about coexisting. It's about um, creating a different kind of map. It's about reorienting to how we can coexist. Um, and to that extent, something a, a, a dear friend and peer artist shared with me that I've adopted as a statement of my own. Um, he said that uh, America is not a melting pot, it's a mosaic. And when I look at that, and when I take in that word mosaic, I also take it in quilting. Um, and then the, the additional aside, um, which is another word that is deeply tied to the work that I'm doing right now, it's sewing. S-O-W-I-N-G, because it, it's about the connection, our connection to land, that part of the healing and part of the solving and part of the stitching has to also be about reconnecting to the very land that we live on, the very spaces we inhabit. So what are our relationships to the, these spaces that really shape us in many ways and that we are in conversation with? That's beautiful. Um, and my, my mother is, a, is an artist who works in all kinds of different textiles, but quilting is one of the things that she does. So I was just talking to her last night about the project and oh, I was like, awesome. I need to ask him about that. I want to yeah. know the connection. And I just finished reading The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois. Oh, yes. yes. And when you, when you were talking, I was picturing one of the things that I found so powerful about that book was the way that it wove land and history and people yeah. and stories over time. So oh, yeah. it kind of reminded me of that, the way you described it there. Um, yeah. What's something that surprised you in your project thus far? Wow, something that has surprised me about the work that I'm doing right now, I, I think it's hard to distill it down to one thing because I think everything <laughs> about what's been happening has been this uh, endless well of surprises in beautiful ways. And I and that maybe speaks to how I'm holding the work too, because I'm holding the work to be a spark and not to be the answer. I don't come to the work as a fixer. I come to the work to be with and to learn. And so in all of those spaces, I'm not saying that I have something to offer you that will solve anything. Um, and so that you can check a box. And, and in fact, I'm coming in to say, I need to learn, you know, what might be the ingredients to get closer to an answer um, for creating some kind of a change. So there's something about this holding everything as a spark. Um, in a more tangible way, um, I hold the work as, um, as a portal, um, as a vessel, and, and in that it's porous. Activities move through it. And, um, and, and that I wasn't always using that word. When I first started the process, I was using container and I was like container, it's, it's capturing, it's holding, and it's not necessarily always breathable. And so how do I get to the, you know, really the spaces that I'm, I'm interested in and to the relationships and to those stories. Um, and so there was had to be some kind of reorientation around the image. And I think it's about it being porous. And so here comes its vessels and portals. And in that, I, I offer a framework, you know, which are some big questions, you know, how do we get the world that we deserve, one that works for everyone? Um, how do we hold ourselves accountable and each other accountable to creating a greater sense of belonging? How do we explore reorient to time to create different futures? Those are big questions. 
that can go in any different direction. And as a result of that, to those very specific surprises, um, there's a situation where in one state, um, the work became a space where a bridging between the indigenous community members and the greater um, homogenous community were able to come together. And um, there is actioning around legislation to include indigenous history and public education in this particular space. In another space, um, healing was able to happen among longtime neighborhood um, uh, residents who, uh, for whom one had experienced what they felt was an action of racism. And they were able to bring that to the forefront in the belonging conversation. And the person who was um, accused, if you will, of uh, doing this action was able to listen, take it in, and actually apologize and say, this was probably me. Um, and to really embrace that moment. And in that moment of healing, um, all those who were able to experience it, we knew that was only like one story of the many stories for healing, but it became a way for these other stories to start to work towards healing. Um, so I just, yeah, everything that is coming up as being um, urgent doesn't feel like the right word, but um, essential um, to creating, to sparking that change. And that could be anything from looking at, you know, places that have turned into food deserts to this relationship to education and communities and how um, count, government councils, government systems are supporting them or not, um, just to interpersonal relationships. I, I'm always surprised. That's incredible. And when I, and in the, in the end right there where you list all of those different sort of societal challenges, it sounds what what I'm what I'm hearing from you is that that you, that the seed the the sowing the seed at mm -hmm. the heart of, of addressing those seems to be creating these spaces for dialogue. Right, and that is key. You know, um, dialogue is a beginning point, um, and I feel like that comes back to the core values. You know, that I hold with the doing of this work that I'm anchored in listening, being willing and risk-taking. And that's what's being asked of everyone who participates in the process to come to the room. You have to be willing to listen, be willing you know, to take a risk. You have to be willing to just be in the present of what's going on. And I think all of those things are like, they're important. And, and my mind just went somewhere else and, and, and went into the space of something I've talked a lot about. And that is so often, it is very easy for us to say that the change could only happen if I have a certain kind of power or if I'm a certain kind of individual. And so it, we can find ourselves getting, um, finding our hope woven into a person or someone who's at a certain position. And in that process, we're taking away our own powers um, to work towards making that change. And the visual, for making change is that there are a sea of multiple lanes and we need people in all those lanes to make the change because it's the sum of the whole. 
it's not one person holding it, but it's it's the all of us. And so for me, the work is about how can I inspire or contribute to sparking individuals to realize that there are ways that they can step into their truth and um, commit uh, com contribute to change. Um, that's a perfect segue into my next question, which is um, when you think about it, it sparking all those people, in particular, what role have youth played in the work you're doing? Beautiful question. So youth, um, macro space, I will say that um, there's a reorientation even there, right? Because um, one way that community can be held is to say the adults, the people who can speak. And then we have youth. We, we can't forget to think about them. And so my reorientation is that every living, breathing individual makes up the community. So the youth is already included in that for me. Um, so I, there is a space at the table for them. In a very tangible, specific way in terms of how, they, how the table is placed for them to arrive at it, there are certain activities that are youth-centric. Um, there are opportunities where certain conversations are designed to bring in, um, in uh, youth um, into the table and the conversations are organized in a certain kind of way. So my facilitation role becomes important uh, to navigate an adult, what we might call a more adult conversation versus uh, a larger um, intergenerational conversation. Um, youth have been wonderful people to sit and talk with uh, on a one-on-one -on -one basis and just listen to. Um, I'm thinking right now of a visit to New Mexico um, and working in Albuquerque and uh, one of our community partners was an organization um, together for brothers and um, an organization that's uh, focused on youth um, leadership, male leadership. And um, I was blown away by this by this organization, by the, the, the high schoolers. Um, in this program, because one of the things they did, they created their own, their own um, guide for change. Um, and I was like, wow, brilliant. <laughs> you know, um, this is something we all can learn from. And so uh, for me in this work, I don't see certain voices being superior to others. I see all voices being essential to learning. So you came to Inspire Teaching years ago as a mentor working with teachers in classrooms and yeah. in listening to you talk about your work, it's clear that learning is very central to what you are doing and also the, the spaces that you're creating. Does this work, has it given you any insights into or made you think about what these kinds of conversations, what this intersection between art and, and community could look like in a school setting? Have there been any, or, or places where you brought it into schools? That's a great question. That's a beautiful question. Um, and I feel like it's one I wanna reflect on for a long time beyond this time. <laughs> uh, and not that I haven't thought about it before, but I'm like, oh yeah, that's one I need to keep living with and keep carrying with me. Uh, I will say, you know, my three things, cause I, Helene's talks in threes all the time. <laughs> Keep us up succinct. Um, one is that education is important. Um, I think 
the more information we have access to, the more we can orient to understanding wholeness. And and part of wholeness is wellness, you know, and um, so all of that is together. So there's something about getting to wholeness that requires learning, the listening, the leaning into. Um, but then to my second point, I feel that education can happen in a number of ways. And so there's some reorientation around that too. What constitutes a good education? Because I do believe there is something about the marriage of arts in educational settings that is crucial um, to gaining that learning that will allow us to be better humans and allow us to um, be able to find ways to step into the activities that can lead to the greater changes that will make things perhaps drastically different for the generations to come in a positive way. Um, and to that, to my third point, I feel like what art does, among many things, um, it creates a space for courage and bravery and for um, finding ways to step into trusting your own voice and for understanding something about research and access and how all of those things can help to inform the ways in which you see the world around you navigate. We need, there was something I saw, um, I might have actually even posted, so I'm gonna do that thing and look, <laughs> and look really quickly that I saw that I was like, oh yes, this is brilliant. This is what needs to happen. Yes, I just found this is artists need to create on the same scale that society has the capacity to destroy. There is something brilliant about that. And for me, when I read that, art is at the center, culture is at the center of creating that stitching, that weaving, that change. Beautiful. All right. So my last question, yeah. <laughs> um, kind of addressed in, in lots of different ways here, um, is what role does curiosity play in your life? And how do you think we can inspire more curiosity in others? Curiosity is everything. <laughs> Period. It's just everything. And like, if I'm not curious, I'm not moving. <laughs> That's just that is just it. Um, curiosity has been the heartbeat of my being able to function, my being able to have a sense of drive, to, to connect to my sense of purpose, because it begin to something I shared earlier about the work that I'm doing right now. I don't come to the work having answers. I don't have the answers. And I could be in my truth and be vulnerable and say that I don't have the answers in a society that sometimes shuns individuals if they can't have the if they don't have the answer or they don't have the solution to fix it. That this we're not a fix it nation. <laughs> can we explore? Can we incubate? Can we investigate? Can we build relationships? Can we get to know one another? And can those things somehow be the means to getting to the things that we want rather than, and also to the things that we want and understanding that those things that we want are ongoing. It's not finite. We have to continue to be doing something, you know, because once we get somewhere and we say, okay, we've done it, we've achieved it, um, then what? And it doesn't mean that it's there forever. I mean, there's this thing I often share with all of 
the students that I teach that um, the goal is to be a student for life. You know, the minute we decided we decide that we don't want to learn anymore, that's when life sort of ends. Um, so I feel like curiosity is just so essential to everything and to understanding the ongoingness and the evolving, the evolution of a being, which is another thing that can be really hard in, in, in sort of the connective tissue of the kind of society we live in, which is one that we're almost not allowed to change, right? So if we do something wrong or if we hold a certain set of beliefs, somehow we're, that's all we are and we don't get to change, we don't get to grow, we don't get to flourish, we don't get to be awakened to a different perspective. And really we're growing and learning and changing all the time. And so our past does not necessarily have to be our future and our past, while it may inform the present, it may not be the present because your views just might have shifted drastically based on the experiences you've shared. So I think curiosity is the, the through line in everything. That exact when you just said that, when yeah. you're like, curiosity is everything, I was like, yes, that's exactly, yeah. what, that's exactly <laughs> what we've been saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, so, the, so just a quick related question, what does that look like with your students? I mean, I'll respond in this way. I'll say that what all of this, I feel like everything that I've even shared about the work that I'm doing right now, it's all about creating invitations. That's what I'm interested in. That's what I can offer. An invitation that perhaps you will take and accept and say, yes, I wanna step into this and explore and figure out what it is. And so to that curiosity question and this follow-up question, when I, my approach is to create invitations and those invitations come in the form of questions. Instead of starting off with, here are the facts, let's have the question to create a space for wondering and imagining and positioning oneself to, you know, whatever's coming up as a response to the question and being able to have, listen to your inner voice first and share that. So like, again, that opportunity to step into your own truth and maybe maybe softening, because it's not to say that this doesn't exist, it still exists, the, um, the judgment thing, the thing that I don't wanna say the wrong thing, the thing that is, I'm pretty sure there's only one answer and only one response to that question when there isn't, you know, all the things we tell ourselves. So it's like there's an unpacking, there's an undoing, um, and there's some shedding right that takes place and that happens at different degrees and people are in different stages in their lives with that process um but just the mere invitation and the mere question gives one an opportunity to listen to themselves first rather than having to take in what somebody else is imposing on them and then like you orient to that Thank you again to Hellenius for making the time to share these thought-provoking insights with us and for bringing that same sense of curiosity to speak truth. The event will begin at 6 p.m. Eastern and will feature a special Q&A with Hellenius for all attendees, adults included. See the show notes for registration information. Please share with the high school students in your life and make sure they register individually as well. We hope to see you there.